smacks and all the other modular architectures or object-oriented architecture architectures for CSS are basically doing the same thing. They're just calling it different stuff. Episode 81, March 2015. In this episode, product designer Max Luster talks about modular scale, how to organize media queries, as well as about modular CSS architecture, atomic design, and smacks. This episode is sponsored by the Draping Design Company and Field Notes. How does your modular scale expand from typography into the rest of your design? Do you use maybe a high value from your modular scale for spacing paragraphs or your navigational menu has a certain size? I'm on the fence about this one. You know, there's a lot of talk about this idea of vertical rhythm on the web. Um, and certainly without a modular scale, actually just using rems and ems in general helps you create a, a vertical rhythm down the page, right? Because suddenly you're using the same consistent unit and all the spaces between text and images and all that stuff are uh, ratios of each other, right? It's really easy to be like, this is 0.25 rems away from this element. This is the margin, it's 0.25 rems. Getting really precise about using the modular scale values to set things like line height, I, it's complicated and I'm still not convinced that it's worth it versus just using simple ratios of, of rems. So I'm on the fence about that one. Someone could persuade me one way or the other if, if they have a nice process for it. But it's something that, you know, for, in my designs, I've often just used simple ratios of rems to create white space and things like that. But you could base those rems on your modular scale, right? You, you absolutely could. And, and you cert I've done it before. I've tried using that technique before. Um, and I'm just not strongly opinionated about it being necessary at this point. Given the, given the complexities of creating real vertical rhythm on the web right now, it's basically impossible. Another thing that I've found really interesting is the use of modular scales to create grid systems themselves, which is not something that I've seen written about too much yet. I mean, I think a lot of the grid systems like were golden grid systems, like you've heard about that going back a while, but you know, a lot of people are still working on this concept of like a 12 column grid or like a strict columnar grid. And I've been interested recently in the idea of essentially using modular scales to define relationships between columns. That's something that I've, I need to explore a little bit more but before I can really talk in detail about. Yeah, so on your, uh, on your GitHub account, you have a, a gist up there with a nice responsive mix-in. Maybe you can explain what's going on there. Yeah, so the responsive mix-in um, essentially just makes, it's basically, I don't know, you might call it syntactical sugar. I don't know what you want to call it. It's basically just a, a mix-in that takes a really simple syntax for declaring what happens across many different breakpoints. So essentially, I, I have two different versions of it, one of which relies on later versions of SAS, so SAS 3.3 and greater, and that takes what SAS calls a SAS map, or some of you who write code might know that as like an associative array or hash table. And essentially what that does is it just takes a list of breakpoints and a list of values for that property, and of course what the property is that you want to change as well, and generates all the syntax required to create a sequence of media queries based on the breakpoints that you've defined. So for example, you could tell it to say, at 500 pixels, 
the value of font size on the HTML element is 14 pixels. It's 600 pixels, it's 15 pixels. It's 700 pixels, it's 18 pixels, and so on. Although I wouldn't set those values. <laughs> but that's, that's basically the concept in a nutshell. It lets you write lots of media queries with very little code. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be attached to one element, right? It needs to not only be attached to one element, but it needs to share the same value and you could pass it a list of properties, so you could give it two properties. Like for example, I'll set padding left and padding right, or margin left and margin right on something to keep those in sync, but they're always the same number. The value will always be the same on them. And yes, yeah, so that applies to a single object. We'll link to this in the show notes. Okay, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life. Uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird, the sinister, the awesome. And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. Draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria or Vienna, Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too, okay? Fieldnotesbrand.com. You need these things. $9.95 for a three-pack. Would you pay for coffee today, right? 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 You need this stuff. So draplin.com, fieldnotesbrand.com. And uh, yeah. Those are, the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. What's a good strategy to organize your media queries? I guess I've taken a strategy where I'll take all of the different media queries that I'm using, um, and I may be targeting many different devices, and I'll embed them and scatter them all throughout my code base. So I'll actually include my media queries um, inside the modules of code that I'm writing, inside sub-modules within those modules, but essentially just like at the point where the primary element in its default state is defined. So I'll take an element, say it's uh, a paragraph, and say on iPads, I want that paragraph to be read, which is weird, but that's a good example, I guess. And as soon as I'll, inside that paragraph definition, I'll say this paragraph is black, but in this media query on iPad, it's red. And the way that I manage the complexity of that, right? Like it's, it's an easier mental model to think of media queries as this thing that overrides everything all at the bottom of your CSS. But I found it much easier to just define what my important breakpoints are at the top of my document. So I say, this is an iPad. This is the media query that you need to target iPad. This is the media query that you need to target, or maybe it's not even iPad. It's usually it's more just abstract. Like this is what I need to target small screens. This is what I need to target medium screens. And I'll create a spectrum. And I'll store those in either a SAS map or variables at the top of my document. And then when I need them, I'll just remember the names of those variables, which I've named semantically to match what I'm trying to go for. And I'll call them embedded all throughout my document, my CSS documents. So to me, that's been a, a really effective way of dealing with media queries. It keeps the thing and the, the ways that it gets overwritten in all different sorts of scenarios grouped together rather than defining the th all the things and overriding all the things at once. To me, that's a lot less organized. Now that sounds a smart way to organize stuff. I like that. And you also, in your article, you had a way of organizing them with those hash maps? Yeah, yeah, I do. So 
hooked into that responsive mix-in that I wrote, I have this global variable that you can optionally have, which essentially just defines a map of breakpoints measured in M's or in pixels either way, and names for those breakpoints. It just gives you a way of giving names to the breakpoints that you're going to use. So all, you could use t-shirt sizes, you could do like extra small, small, medium, large, or you could have specific devices in there as well, like iPad, iPhone, etc. It sort of depends on what you need. Or if you're just working on a web application that doesn't even have a mobile component, uh, you can still have all these same responsive design practices and media query strategies working. I, I mix and match, right? So it's not just naming breakpoints. Like, I'll ad hoc on an element. This doesn't quite look right here, and I want to change it at 1,040 pixels width screens. And I'll just plug in 1,040 pixel width screens, and I'll run with that and not follow a pattern throughout the site. And that's okay, like I'm 100% I'm okay making ad hoc changes to elements at arbitrary points as well as coordinating them. It's just mix and match. So you were talking about modules uh, in your CSS architecture. Maybe you can talk about what is modular CSS architecture and talk a little bit about atomic design and SMACs. Uh, there's a term that you also had floated earlier called like object-oriented CSS, OOCSS, right? And it's all, all these concepts are very related, like atomic design and smacks, very similar in principle. There's like nuances between them that are not all that important. The real concept is essentially breaking down your design, looking at your design critically, breaking it down into components or modules and breaking those modules down into subcomponents and submodules, whatever you want to call it, and looking at it to, to see that the submodules that fit inside, inside those modules often are getting reused throughout various elements in your design. So all of this CSS architecture stuff, it's really about code reuse and about organization, and it, it really becomes critical on any major website or web application that you're building. It is still nice to understand and have if you're just building a, a little, you know, short one-pager website. Not nearly as important in those situations. But yeah, if you're building a web application, you know, I might have 8,000 lines of CSS. So defining a structure for that that is repeatable and can create expectations, I can show that code to other people and have them understand it. That's really important to me. So I can talk a little bit more about what it is, I guess. I kind of skipped over that. Um, all these different architectures, CSS architectures, atomic design, SMACs, etc., generally object-oriented CSS, they're all about breaking apart your CSS into manageable components and having a repeatable system for being able to build up a page from its base components. And there are also strategies for being able to reuse code and not repeat yourself in your code, which is very important in CSS because CSS sort of lends itself to copying and pasting styles around and overwrite it because it's fast. So having a good architecture can help you can help prevent you from having to rewrite code for that does the same thing in different places. So atomic design sort of models the problem with a chemistry model, like a periodic table model. So they have this concept of atoms, which are the smallest possible unit of design in your site. So that might be something as simple as you know, a little block that does, I don't know, like one thing, just very, very narrowly scoped thing. And that'll build up into this concept of a molecule, which is actually a functional unit. Um, so maybe it's like a search box that has, 
you know, placeholder text, and that placeholder text is, is an atom. It has a search icon, and maybe that search icon represents an atom as well. And that builds up into this little component. And then that molecule gets fed into what they call an organism, which is essentially uh, what I would call a module on your site. So it's like an actually fully functional block. It provides functionality to your users. It works together in a system and multiple modules get put together to form an organism. And then from there, they have this concept of templates, which are sort of like layouts or like classes of different pages. And then they have this concept of pages, which are like individual parts of your website. This is a page, that's a page, etc. So it's just, you know, a hierarchical view of content on your website. And Smacks and all the other modular architectures or object-oriented architectures for CSS are basically doing the same thing. They're just calling it different stuff. And they all have slightly different philosophies about how to name your files and where to put them and all that sort of stuff. But it boils down to that real core concept, which is break your design down into its smallest components and give classes to those components and reuse those classes and build them into other components. And to me, that's a, it's a powerful idea. And CSS is not, you know, the source of that idea. It's, it's an object-oriented programming concept, if you want to call it that. It goes, yeah, be, far beyond just CSS. But uh, I've personally found it very valuable to have a strong model in my head of sub-components building up into larger components, building up into larger components and then organizing my code around that concept as well.